This podcast is brought to you by Gundog Outdoors and Dakota 283 Kennels. Hi, hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman and Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Hunters, welcome back to another episode of the Flushman Dustin podcast. Uh, tonight we have special guest on Branson Shelton. He is down in Oklahoma, right? Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah. He uh, found him on fate or Instagram. Uh, been following each other for a while. He was actually on one of our uh, Flushman Dustin Power Hours. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Three Rivers Outdoors. Uh, so be sure to go check him out. Uh, but Branson, can you introduce yourself? Let us know what you've been up to. Is there Three Rivers yeah. by you, Branson? Is that why he's named Three Rivers Outdoors? Like, is it just Three Rivers? We have a. Well, there is Three Rivers that meet up here pretty close to us, but we have uh, Three Rivers WMA. It's a pretty good large uh, chunk of public ground here pretty close to me. So that, I grew up hunting that thing, grew up on that public land, uh, hunting everything I was able to hunt. So my, my grandpa, he had Little River Beagles, so I'm just following in suit with uh, little uh, Three Rivers gun nice. dogs. So. Nice. Yeah. But uh, no, I ain't been up to, up to much uh, coaching – Coach pitched baseball during the off season from hunting, uh, trying to my best to plant a garden, fighting it. Everything's dead right now, so yeah, it is what did, it is. You said before we started recording, you guys, how close are you to Texas? You guys got frost last night. Yeah, we're so we're about an hour north of Texas, an hour west of uh, Arkansas. So we're just right down there in the corner, and it got down to like thirty-two at my house last night. And we've been having days like up in the eighties and now is your, just house, a, is your house even big. insulated? Like <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, does it even have a heater? It's gotta have it because the summertime summer times get brutal. So we got a oh, good air conditioner, sure. but heaters aren't really needed sometimes. <laughs> I uh, actually uh my uh my boss lives in Texas and they had that uh, big storm down there and they had yeah. outdoor pool. Um it's not made for that freeze cold that they had ruin their whole outdoor pool and insurance well nobody has insurance down there on that thing because well it's not supposed to yeah. freeze in texas so right. oh <laughs> man kind they of, got wild, they're kind so. of above a, a fucking creek right now like oh shit yeah. i just I, I work in northeast texas and it got really bad <laughs> yeah yeah Damn. so tell us tell us about three rivers outdoors yeah, just something I kind of started up uh, when I started getting into gun dogs, and I just wanted to have something to work towards, you know, and have something to, I don't know, re represent me and represent my style of hunting and the types of dogs that I want to have. Uh, I don't know, just a big representation for public land, public land hunting, and and for using gun dogs in all fashions. Nice. Oh, for sure. So I'm on. Uh, actually, is this your own website here, Branson? Did I see? Uh, the uh, the link in the, my bio is not. It's for the, no, that's for the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Association, and that one is actually going to our state chapter. Okay. Okay, tell me a little bit about, just I'm reading on it here, just looking uh, about Congress passing a Mapland Act, Act uh, for better lands and management. 
That sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it's something I I don't like at all. Uh, I oh, try okay. my best to be a public land activist and just to I don't know stand up for what we have here because Oklahoma yeah. only has three point eight percent public accessible land in the state. And what's going on with this state bill is it will prevent the state wildlife department from obtaining any more land at a, in a timely manner. So if the state oh, department shit. finds anything, it will have to wait a period of six months to, to allow anybody else in the open market to be able to purchase it, purchase it before them. Ugh. So just kind of puts it in a chokehold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of time for them to, sit on wait to see if someone else gives a better offer yeah and the thing is people won't land they do they're just, they don't make any more of it right yeah no no they don't no and where i'm at is uh i feel like it's kind of dangerous for me because we do have a lot of public land but it's also in a real tourist capital so a lot of people are uh trying to buy up land build cabins and stuff like that so tourist industry is booming but it's actually kind of jeopardizing my uh-huh. hunting how i feel so that's yeah, dangerous that's that's that is dangerous bad water yeah it's not cool at all do you yeah. main do you mainly hunt uh public grounds or do you, do you oh private all public well? land all public all, nice. all public land uh but i have 40 acres i hunt on the back side of it manage it for deer oh very nice. cool um uh outside of that um public land what are the birds you're chasing on there is it mainly pheasants or i guess what down here down, down here is just bob white quail and they've been really oh. struggling uh but they're kind of coming back they started coming back a few years ago so where i'm Peaceful. at is managed by uh some timber companies for uh oh loblolly pine trees what they do so they cut it up for their paper machines and telephone poles and you know two befores and just all sorts of stuff uh so there's a lot of a lot of timber, some hardwoods, and so down here, just quail and or the quail and the turkey kind of fell off at the same time, but they're just kind of slowly inching their ways back up, and it's kind of volatile right now. So we have the good years and bad years still, but this year I was able to stay on them you know, every time I went hunting. So that's pretty cool. Kind of sounds nice. like what we have up in Iowa with our pheasant numbers. So yeah, we had a pretty good dip um early 2000s uh and then the past few years we've seen you know a nice increase in them um you know we've had a couple last winter was super easy on them this winter was maybe a little bit harder so we'll see what you know this brings but um what uh do you have how many dogs do you have i got three right now i got two german wire hair pointers i got uh one male his name is deets he'll be five years old this year so do they I have a, a, uh, a better mustache than what you got going on or beard or they're they're kicking my ass in facial hair i'll say <laughs> that <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah uh then i got one dutch Drathar, a little girl uh just turned one years old and then another female german wire hair pointer called willow and so you have um, a dog that you recently put a title on. Is that right? Yeah. You yeah. Uh, this. I, yeah, man. It's a pretty cool deal. My first experience doing anything like that. Um, that's my Dutch Dathar. So I tested her through their little um, German testing system. 
man, she, she come out, just put on a clinic. I was really proud. It's it pretty is, cool to see. What's the testing consist of for others that are interested? Uh, so in this one is the, the puppy test. So relatively untrained. Uh, they will judge them against the breed standard of all the other Dutch Drothars uh, in the past. So they'll look at them at search, use of nose, tracking a rabbit, and co cooperation. And I might be forgetting one right now, but uh, that's the four big ones. And I actually like pointing does not even add up to as much points as a uh, tracking a rabbit would be or use of nose. So yeah. Kind so of interesting you, stuff. Try, trying to keep it versatile, I guess. Are you going to hunt rabbits with, I mean, you said your grandpa hunted with beagles, so I didn't know if you were hunting rabbits. Yeah. Why did, do they just do no. the rabbit for literally the tracking? Is that the only reason? Pretty much. Being able to, yeah, pretty much. They'll uh, get behind a rabbit. They just want to be able to see that dog use its nose to, trail where it went if i ever get back into hunting rabbits or anything i won't do it with this dog i mean once we get out of this test i hopefully keep her off the rabbits because there's times we'll be out there in, in the fields and that's the last thing i want to be getting after you know it's crazy uh diesel is going to be seven this year but he has never had a rabbit and he doesn't ever go after him you know it's just it's oh yeah it's amazing like how they know like oh i'm not after that type of thing so they don't he doesn't go yeah, after that, that is cool yeah my dogs have gotten that way after deer uh they're when his puppy started chasing them but now we'll have a deer run out in front of them and they just don't care about it anymore you know they yeah. just leave them laying but man if a rabbit gets out in front of them it's fixed to get nasty or any house cats that's roaming the neighborhood <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what man i got the the issue with rabbits and where i live my neighbor has a a garden and the other neighbor doesn't mow their damn lawn. So, you know, the yard is super tall. The, the nab rabbits nest in it. Um, and this winter, actually, the dogs, a rabbit came into our yard and it tried to escape through the chain link fence and didn't quite make it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it became, became a little bit of a tug of war. Uh, the good thing is I can call them off rabbits. They will chase. Like, if a rabbit runs, they'll they'll get you know antsy and try to run after it but i can call them off whereas a running rooster yeah. uh, or a running pheasant it's super difficult for me to call them off but man yeah. the whole backyard rabbit thing really messes things up that shit pisses oh, I bet me diesel just doesn't give a shit he doesn't care about rabbits because we have them in our yard too and he doesn't, he doesn't hey you're lucky I'd, I bet if you ever caught one, it might be a different story. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it would be. It would be. Yep. No shit. I think it's just with age, too. He's uh, obviously mature. Oh, yeah. Going to be seven, so yeah. he knows the drill, you know. Knows that's yeah. not what I want him to get, things of that nature. So, Branson, do you travel outside of Oklahoma? I've seen some pictures on here. You got pheasant. Uh, obviously, you went to Missouri for that hunt test. Uh, where do you go other than Oklahoma? What's that look like? What's do you got plans for this year? I just threw a lot at you, man. I'm all over the place. Uh, see, I've been going to South Dakota the past few years after pheasants, uh, during late season. Then, uh, I've made some trips to one trip to Idaho after chucker hunt and everything else. I've hunted Kansas. Uh, I hunted Iowa on the way back home last year from South Dakota. And, uh, what time do you go to South then, Dakota? 
You said late season, like how uh, late? Yeah, uh, typically around Christmas. Oh, so we go right after yeah. Thanksgiving. Right after Thanksgiving, we yeah. go. You'll have to. Yeah. Do you usually come through Iowa when you go up? Not all the time. Depends on what's going on. Uh, normally, I go up through Salina, Kansas, keep on rolling north through Nebraska. But uh, this past year, I went through Nebraska, uh, through Iowa, and made a stop on the interstate. I was looking for a spot to. Uh, find some uh find some ground to run my dogs and yeah (laughs) piss and let my dogs piss (laughs) and uh so i pull off the interstate and uh there's this little uh rest stop and people's getting out stretching their legs and i look over the out of the ditch i was man it just looks birdie as hell looks awesome so i pull it up on on x like it's looking there go it's public ground there wasn't a fire station by this was there not that i remember okay uh, it's like right on the border of uh, Iowa and Nebraska is where I am. I can't okay. really remember the town. But anyway, I thought, shit, if I'm going to do it, might as well do it with a gun in my hand, right? So I got online real quick, bought my license, got in there and knocked down a rooster. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way to do it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, you'll have to let uh, us know if you come through Iowa again this year. Oh, hell yeah. We'll try to meet up, get, some, get out on some public ground. There's some good, yeah. like right on that. Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota, border, man. There is some very good public ground out there. Oh, yeah. It looked awesome. It looked real birdie. A lot of good habitat. <laughs> yeah. Did you already get your trip planned then for this year for South Dakota? Is it already booked? Not really. It kind of stays It kind of stays booked. It's always in the back of my mind. I'm really trying to get my old man out there and get him after some of those pheasants. Uh, man, that late season like that, it's, it's dynamite. Like I've never hunted early season up there, but I just don't see how it could get any better than late season. Yeah, so we actually noticed that last year was the first year that we hunted later, or the latest we've ever hunted. And you're a Coors man, so I like that. I see you drinking. Oh, yeah. Coors guy, too. (laughs) Um, But we saw more birds last year than we did when we were going earlier. Yeah. So So, I I was just asleep. Yeah, me too. That's what I've been telling everybody. What kind of got me going late – I was listening to a podcast by Pheasants Forever, and they just kind of spoke to me. It says, if you are a quail man from Oklahoma, and you're used to <laughs> flushing bumblebees. If you are Brandon Shelton. <laughs> yeah. 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 You will walk through some thick CRP, and instead of flushing bumblebees, you're going to flush a flock of pterodactyls. Well, shit, that's me, man. So I plan my trip immediately. <laughs> that's hilarious what uh have you always hunted the same area in south dakota or you kind of switch it up i've been switching it up uh this past year is the first time that i went to the same location uh first year i went all the way up to aberdeen after that uh, do you think aberdeen kind of, sucked ass i thought it was terrible uh, it wasn't really good but i did stay in uh there was a big waterfowl production area that opens up later in the year that's not open during the beginning of the season. Okay. And it was pretty good, yep. but it was it was tough hunting too. It was real thick. Yeah, what is we that? didn't run into anything north of Aberdeen, any birds. I will, it was just awful I will say this. I went back to my hotel after being in Aberdeen and I was out there cleaning my birds. I got my limit and another hunter come up and he's like, What the hell are you doing? Like how how'd you find these birds to get on them? I said, well, you know. I hunted all day long. It's must- from- I, I would have said it's the mustache, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't say it's not. <laughs> he didn't have one idea. So. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> That's go. That's right. 
Yeah, so you think when you're up there, you're hunting uh, more thick cover, things of that nature when you're up there? Were you looking for uh, food plots next to the grass, or what, what was your key to success? I definitely looked for food plots next to some thick cover. Uh, were you north of Aberdeen? No. Uh, that first year, I was kind of – yeah, well, I was north of Aberdeen, actually, because I got really close to the North Dakota line at one point. I think that uh, that place that you're talking about um, – do you watch the Flush YouTube channel? Uh, occasionally, not, not they, a whole lot. I think they did a hunt out there because it's only open like December, in December. There's only like two weeks in December yeah. that this uh, grassland area is open. And that would that would have been they it, had a they had a Flush episode out there that just like they just there were birds everywhere. You know, yeah. they but like I said, they don't get pressured until those two weeks or three right. weeks, whatever it is. I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I have to look it up. It's bugging me now. I know I got it wrote down somewhere. But uh, then after that, I kind of kind of been staying more uh, south, like south of Chamberlain and around Chamberlain. And I went to Mitchell once. And... Yeah, so we're going to by Pierre, South Dakota this next year. And then we have some uh, some private ground. We actually landed. Um, then we got to drive back about an hour to get on one of the days. But that's really not a big deal because – I mean, shit hunting doesn't start till for pheasants till 10. So right. we'll just get yeah. up and head back because we know the spots are there. And we had good luck there. And there was plenty of birds left. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if, you, if you got access in private, that would definitely be nice up there. <laughs> yeah. 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 There this was... Was the, last year was the first year we did, and it, it really paid off. Yeah. I will say I've never failed to spend five days up there and not come home with a limit every day. Well, that's impressive. How many miles do you think you're putting in Ooh, per day, if you had to guess? <laughs> Tyler a usually lot. comes up with a limit of misses. <laughs> <laughs> it is the truth. <laughs> I shoot more shells than I do birds. <laughs> well, I can't say anything about that because I definitely use that third shot, my automatic shotgun, that sometimes it's needed. So yes, I know is. if I miss that first one, after that, I'm getting on your ass. So, but man, miles, uh, I keep track of it. Got it wrote down in the log. There was, uh, several days I'd be putting up, I don't know, about 12 miles. Whew. Yeah. Damn. Are you running all three dogs each day? Or no. Breaks. I'm giving them breaks. There's times when I run them together. So that the, my female wire hair, I've been running her solo because she's just, she's really, really lacking, really way behind. I kind of picked her up late. But these other two, they work really, really good together and good solo. So I kind of just go swap back and forth. And I got that's why I got another dog because whenever I was hunting in South Dakota and Idaho, man, like just hunting day in, day out, just wears them out. So I needed more dog power to help him out. Yeah, we uh, we noticed that last year, um, probably more so. Diesel just being a little older uh, it was the first yeah. year that I actually knew that he was. Well, he got hurt too, but uh, he, he wore down pretty quick. I don't know if it was from actually hunting or that we stayed up to three o'clock a couple nights in a row and the dogs never went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know it's out. bad when your bedroom's upstairs, we're all downstairs drinking, playing pool, having a good time, and the dogs, all of them go up to the bedroom upstairs. 
They want to get, get away from enough of your shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. They got to go to work the next morning. You guys got an easy day. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. Getting up there, though, later in the season, I don't think there's any preparation that you could do to condition your dog's pads because, man, the ground's so hard and froze. It's just tough you know, on them. One thing that I like to do, and I kind of do it throughout the summer because I don't, I don't really run diesel too hard through the summer months when it's hot anymore just because he's older. But we'll walk anywhere from a mile and a half to three miles um, when it gets nice out uh, almost every day. And I think that really helps his pads because it's all on concrete. Oh, yeah. Um, so I do think that helps, but uh, obviously this past year he got cuts on his paws and tore his uh, toenail off when we were up there. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's tough terrain, but I do think that it paid off a little bit. Yeah, I, I do the same thing, and I, it gets really hot down here in Oklahoma uh, during the summertime. So we're really limited to like ride at daylight to get out there and run the dogs. And I do it on some gravel roads there by the house. But you got to do something to keep the them pads hardened up. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So what what drew you to your breeds of dog? So I started out with a short hair, and he was awesome. He was an awesome dog. Uh, never really got to go on a big hunting trip with him. Uh, lost him. He got out of the yard chasing some dogs, got run over. You know, bad deal. Uh, time passed on. I was ready to get a new one, but I didn't want everyone to get one that compared to him. So I thought, well, I need to get a different breed. And a couple of buddies of mine had gotten into these drahars, and uh, I was just enthralled by them. The, the testing system that they had to go through in order to be a breeding pair, it's almost like you're getting a guaranteed dog. Just the guesswork is out of it, like what kind of dog you're going to get. Uh, couldn't afford one at the time, though, so I got me a wire hair uh, yeah. out of northern Oklahoma, and, man, just lucked out with him. He's an awesome dog. and I, just, I wanted one that was similar that had the same drive as that short hair, but just would also be uncomparable. Yeah. So are they pretty calm dogs when they're inside or they need, Oh do yeah. They, do they need to be ran a lot? Uh, Cause I know a couple of bu- buddies who, I mean, basically they need to hook up the, the fucking four wheeler and let the dog run 18 miles behind him before it's tired. Yeah. No, they're good in the house. They got a good off switch with, you got to start working on that at a young age, but, I, I do try to give them plenty of exercise because the more the more exercise they get, the better they're going to be in the house anyway. But oh, I got sure. one right now that's trying to tear up every little stuffed animal that we've got in the house. So yeah, Diesel was just trying to hump one of my daughter's stuffed animals. <laughs> that before why that's why I had to go on mute. Yeah. I was yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll all act up no matter what age they are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you're also doing a little antelope hunting. Where are you doing that? Oh at? yeah, Wyoming. Oh, uh, first. That's my first cover trip. some ground. What you got to get a new vehicle every couple of years or what? I'm all over the to, place. So. <laughs> I put some miles on. So last year alone, I think I added it up to like around uh, like twelve thousand miles of just hunting trips. Yeah. How many miles you got oh. on your vehicle? Right now I got a hundred and ten thousand. <laughs> That's not, That's not bad. bad. What yeah. year is it? 2019? Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's 2015. But uh, my daily driver is a Volkswagen Jetta. That's what all the cool guys drive. Yeah, but you're 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 driving a Ford though, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's gonna handle it. I was gonna say if it was a Chevy, it'd be fucking <laughs> ten miles in and it'd be broke. 
or a Nissan when they make it out of the driveway. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I put some miles out there. Uh, that was my first trip out west on a big game hunt. How was that? After Wyoming. No, I said, how was that? Oh, how was? Oh man, it was awesome. Uh, just a, a way for me, and my buddies, to get out there, uh, get out west, do some hunting, but and do it with a rifle in our did, hand. Did you have to uh, do the draw system? Is that how it works? Or yeah, is that, or yeah. the draft draw? No, it's a draw. But, uh, it's a draw. It goes yeah. off preference points, but Wyoming speaks our love language because there's several areas that's just 100% draw with zero preference points. So it's worth the drive. Oh. Are you saying preference points? Yeah, preference points. So, you know, you can accumulate. Points. So every year that you draw, like you put in for a unit, uh, some units will be a trophy unit. They'll take like say 10 preference points and you just got to accumulate them over the year so, so you got to pay so much for those right yeah yeah if so, so like it's so much it's so much a point it, or can you buy all 10 points at once or like no, how you can't work? buy all 10 points uh so you, you put in for a tag it's like around 300 bucks and uh if you don't draw it you get that money back and then they charge you like 10 dollars for a preference point so it's not that oh. bad oh but so technically, it could take you 10 years before you got 10 preference points. If you wanted to, but I'm not after no trophy. We just want to get out there and, and kill something. <laughs> just get to feeling bloody. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, was it, uh, what kind of rifles are you using when you're going out and doing that? 30 uh, No, I think I had a 6.5 Creedmoor and another guy, that's what he was shooting. And then another another buddy of mine didn't even draw a tag didn't even try to buy one like a dummy so not that i'm gonna call him out on here or nothing he just wanted to tag along yeah oh yeah so heck he lives in northern idaho and more or less he he told us that he wasn't gonna let us get within 12 hours and not come see us so that's pretty cool but we're going back this year and but this time i've got five tags instead of one do you eat antelope Oh yeah, does it taste like deer? Or is, I mean, a little. It's a little different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's com- it's really comparable. It's just, to me, it's just more rich, and I, I, a lot of guys don't like it, but I really enjoy it. So, you think it's better I mean, than deer? Mm, I think so because I can't get it right here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. How how many days you guys go up this year? Uh, probably we haven't figured it up, but we'll for sure be going a week. Uh, maybe, maybe a few more days. Nice. You got five tags to fill, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that, is that, that's just you. How many is your buddy? Have? Uh, another buddy of mine that he lives right across the road from me. He's got four tags and then the other guy in Idaho, he's only got two. So. Man, you're going to have to bring a trailer <laughs> with just coolers in it. Yeah. Oh, man, I got a jumping jack back. trailer. Last year, and that's it's gonna be filled to the brim with nothing but ice chests. No Hopefully. kidding! <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. You have meat for the whole year. Will you try to that, grab a bird hunt wire out there then too? Oh, definitely. I ain't going anywhere without having my shotgun and a dog with me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And what are you chasing out there then? It's uh depends on where we draw because we haven't found out yet uh but there is a chance that i could get after some huns and some chucker up there Ooh, uh, man i'm not i'm not real confident in the season for sage grouse up there 
the way things are looking. And that'd be fun. Some wild. It would be. Chuckers. Yeah, yeah gonna, Chuckers where it's at. We're going to try to get into uh, some sharp tail when we go to South Dakota this next year. Uh, that's where we went closer to the middle of the state. Um, and then uh, a gentleman we had on, actually our last podcast, is going to help us out, drop us some pins, hopefully. And yeah. uh, then uh, one of the buddies that's going with us, um, he has a, uh, I don't know, a buddy of his that has a family member that lives out there that's supposed to be going to let us get on their ground. So roundabout way, we're going to hopefully get on some more ground that's private that has uh, a lot of sharp tail on it. That'd be cool. Cause that's one thing that I've yet to get on up there. And it's always like, I try to pick my spots just in case I could get a mixed bag, but it's just not happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. We've never specifically chased after chase after them. I think we'll probably take, you know, I mean, I'm sure you kick up pheasants where you kick up the prairie chickens and whatnot, but I think we'll take probably a day or two just to specifically try to, bag some new. of them you know and yeah. explore some new ground and whatnot but yeah. <clears throat> i went to kansas last september uh trying to just specifically get after some prairie chickens and about walked the soles off my boots and they i had two flush wild uh i say wild they was they should have been in range I, I threw some lead at them and i felt like i should have hit them and i just i was walking back just kind of disgusted with myself because it, my, it was my last day two birds get up i missed them and I got to thinking, I uh, looked at my gun, I had the wrong choking it the whole entire time. Uh, not yeah. have, have a choke or what? No, well, I would, I would have had a modified choke in there. I probably should have reached it, but I had a improved. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to go back now for revenge. That's right. Yeah, they'll still be out there for you. That's what I say. I miss them. They'll be here next time. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just educate them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you ran one of your dogs through a test. Do you have plans to continue running through getting more titles for that pup or what's your, uh, what's your summer off season plans that you're going to work on until next so, season? As far as that testing goes, we have one more that we will need to get done, uh, throughout the fall. It'll be in September in Colorado. So we'll go do that. And it's going to be uh, more along more along the same lines as this previous test, but just a little bit more intensive and be the dogs would need to be more finished than they are right now. Uh, so we'll work towards that. Uh, but after that, like, I could care less about titles. I just want me a working dog and have yep. one that does everything with me. And you're doing all the training yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Did you – well, I guess, where'd you learn your training techniques from? Is it something you learned from a family? I mean, uh, a lot of it, I would say I learned it from my grandpa because he always trained beagles and coon dogs. And he was big into the trials with coon dogs and beagles for rabbits and stuff. But and he was actually a, a big time bird dog trainer back in the quail heyday. But that was before my time. So I never got to see that happen. Uh but it's kind of going off what he done, and then I just read. I mean, I've got a pretty good collection of just training books and manuals and all sorts of stuff. Do you have a few favorites that you could mention? Yeah, so uh, this last one that I trained my drought har with was uh, Ronnie Smith's silent command system, and that was pretty sweet. I, that one went really smooth, and it was really rewarding. How does 
I guess, how does silent command work? Uh, basically, you try to force the dog to, uh, oh, how, how do I put it? To the dog would start sitting before you ever teach it the command to sit. And so, like, when we're out there in the field now, everything that we do is silent, just uh, a tap of the head to release her to, to go fetch or do anything like that. Like, so just, if you, you teach the action before you teach the command and the reward. Okay. So, really, like, let's say um, bird gets up and shoot or flush, shoot, bird goes down, dog steady to flush, I imagine, and then you would walk up and tap the back of that dog's yeah. head and then they'd go retrieve it. That that's the goal. We're not quite there right now. Still being yeah. the puppies, so they're still releasing the flush, but that's gonna be my end result. That's what I want to have. That's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so do you use does that work for like recall type stuff too? Or are you still doing like a I mean, I guess I don't know how it would work for a recall, but um is it mainly just for steady to flush type work yeah pretty much steady to flush and to retrieve and then just basic obedience there at the house yeah man that's pretty cool that'd be pretty cool that would be fun to see go up and give them a little tap yeah man uh, chasing those roosters up there especially in the late season to be to be quiet is a big deal it is yeah we noticed that first was that the first second year we went to South Dakota, um, one thing that we tried, because sometimes you just can't see the dogs, you know, you don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> the first field we went in, we had, we're like, ah, we'll just try, we'll try these cowbells, you know, not big ones, just small ones. And what we got like 15 yards into the field and the other end, there was birds flying out, yeah. you know, and was it the, the bells? probably you know we took them off after that and got into you know had actually birds in range then you know um but i i 100 agree you know you get those early season you you get those yearling birds that are you know aren't educated like you've said and then you get into the late season you get the educated birds and man they hear they hear everything oh yeah they hear the car door slam and they're getting out of there yeah you know and yeah, that quiet is definitely the way to go. Yeah. And it's pretty cool to go through late season. It's just been me and like working behind the dog. You, you ain't got to worry about you know, covering everything. Just follow behind them, let them do the yep. work, you know. Yeah. It's 100% how to do it. Oh, yeah. Trust trust your dog. There's too many times when you don't mm-hmm. trust your dog, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, there ain't shit over here. And then, bam, bird gets mm-hmm. up and you're like, ah, man. Man, I don't know how many times it's happened though. I feel regret. The dogs look at me like I failed them, you know. Yep. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yep. So, Branson, give us a couple of your best hunting stories. Let's hear these. One of my favorite ones uh, is when I was in Idaho. Uh, I got up there hunting in Hell's Canyon after some chucker. I had been two days on a goose egg, uh, camping out of a tent there on the river. Climbed up one day. I found me a tall peak. Looked pretty birdy, had some rock outcroppings and got to the top of it. There was a couple of little stand of some pine trees and a grouse got up and I shot and killed it. You know, walked back down, you know, mission accomplished on that deal. Got back to camp that night and uh, cleaned it, staying in there and 
where I was at, a bunch of mule deer was coming down and crossing or getting out into the river. And I could hear dates, but he just, he was sleeping there next to me. He would just, you know, kind of bark and I don't know, just from hearing the noise, wasn't a loud bark, just kind of startled and let them know he was, he was there. That second night, he woke me up and I mean, just pissed off. I mean, he was, he was ready to throw down with something. Crap, you know, something, something's up. I poked my head out and there's a black bear about 20 yards away from the tent. <laughs> like, oh shit. So I get out of the tent. All I have is my headlight. My shotgun is in the truck and uh, the bear is in between me and the truck. So I'm out there in my draws, just waving my hands, flashing the light, hollering, go, hey bear, hey bear. The entire time, Deets is just freaking smooth out. Bear starts getting up, you know, jumping up and down on its front two legs and chomping its jaws at us. Holy and I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, this, this is how it's going to end. It's, if this is how <laughs> it's going to end, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty proud of. But uh, I got a, I got back into my tent. I had a little nine millimeter and I shot it in the air a few times and kept on hollering at it. And it finally just went its own, its merry way. So, Did you sleep but, the rest of the night or? Oh, hell no. I built a big <laughs> ass fire and hunted the next morning and moved camp. Right. He had to change the drawers that he was in. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck. That it would wasn't be crazy. So, no, no phone service down there whatsoever. And so I called everybody that next morning. It's like, yeah, had a little run in with a bear. No big deal. Moving camp. I'll call y'all later. <laughs> buy me uh buy me some new boxers when i get back home <laughs> yeah that's a pretty sweet trip though yeah, there, that whole there's branson out fun. there naked and afraid showing tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be the uh the next blog post on meat eaters what i was thinking that's funny that's a good story give us one more uh and it'd have to be like one of the the last day of my hunt on my first trip to south dakota you always hear those things about getting to a spot that no one else would go to kind of overlooked so you know i don't really know what those are but i'm driving up there in my i'll make the 18 hour drive up there in my single cab ford ranger uh just me and the dog and a shitload of gear. And I'm sitting there just cruising down the road and I look at the spot and there's some trees. Like, you know, that spot looks pretty good. Get out there and just, it sucked. Wasn't nothing. Like, you know, <laughs> last day and I'm going to get my first goose egg. All, all I need is one bird. Uh, then I'm walking back to the truck and this rooster just flies over, I don't know, probably about 30 yards over my head, just out of gun range. Uh, I'll see him. He flies over the road and lands down in this uh, cattail thicket. Well, I should be on the road by now. So, but I'm going to go hunt it. There, a bird went in there. I got to go hunt. Can't, I can't leave it. Cross the road and it just turns into the wild west. And I get a, a big ass pheasant. There's, hey, girl. Uh, I, it was too, I wanted to get it mounted, but it's too big for my truck. Uh, I couldn't. There's no hold way. on, hold on. <laughs> no, I, I are you saying so, a pheasant would not fit in your truck? 
I gotta remind you, I was in the Ford Ranger at the time that was loaded to the hilt. Uh, but no shit from the, the tip of its beak to the end of its tail was almost as wide as the tailgate. And there just it wasn't a way to store it. Cause I'm telling you, me and my dog was packed in that thing like sardines. And I was gonna be pissed if I got it all the way home and couldn't get it on wall. But it's just that's a cool experience. And I've done the same exact same thing this year, but I can't. That was, that was pretty fun, and uh, I will not ever camp late season in South Dakota again. Yeah, dude, bird bigger than your fucking tail. <laughs> it, was, it was long. I think it had a, tw- it had a 22-inch tail on it. That is a good-sized rooster. I don't know if that's a big rooster or a small truck. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it was a small truck. <laughs> that is a big so bird, you, When you go up to South Dakota, do you always camp, or you stay, like, in an no. Airbnb or something? Uh, I just try to find a, either Airbnb or a dog-friendly hotel where I can pull a dog in single or something like that. But this past one, I wasn't really even planning on going up there. I planned on going to Kansas. Uh, went up there in September after those prairie chickens had done some scouting for pheasants. Found some spots that looked really good. I got up there late season, and I don't know what happened, but a lot of that area was just harvested just – was bare just turned up dirt uh, i could still get into some birds but it just wasn't very much fun hunting to me so i just loaded it up and i had my little tent trailer on the back just hauled ass north to south dakota i knew i could get into some birds up there and i did man it was worth it but when we left my pants were wet when i went to bed and they were frozen standing up <laughs> in that trailer so <laughs> it, it was cold, man. It, it was it was seven degrees when i got up that morning yeah. cool experience we'll never do it again i can't, i want to hunt with you I don't, I don't care what you say i'm going <laughs> come on man <laughs> just uh we got to sign a waiver if a bear comes in i, I will leave you <laughs> uh, shoot that's funny <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's what uh, it's all about though man that's a it was a cool experience absolutely yeah well branson we want to thank you so much for hopping on our podcast and sharing these awesome stories with us um, we greatly appreciate it and yes if you make it up through iowa this year um let us know and We'll do everything we can to get a hunt with you and uh, Shoot you. we might have to come down and chase after some <clears throat> good old wild bob whites. Hey, I'm, you know, a lot of people talk about coming to Oklahoma for some quail hunts and they're primarily talking about the western part of the state. And while it is good, they forget about this eastern, the southeastern part. And it's a hard hunt too. Like I tell everybody it's a choker hunt of the south because it's tough. It's, oh, yeah. You're up and down in some mountains. It's thick, but I mean, you're not going to get a lot of birds, but the ones you get, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, and it makes it worth it. But, oh yeah, uh, heck, I, you know, I think these pointing dogs and those retrievers work pretty good together. Yeah, yes yeah, they, they do. Will. Yes they do. Be a good time. Oh yeah. So again, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yes, sir. Keep flushing and dusting, man. Keep it Hell up. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Thanks Let's for talk. having me, guys. Let's keep, it, yep. Let's keep in touch. All right. Hell Talk yeah, to man. you later. All right. All right. Bye. Take these, Bye. guys. Bye.